Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Well, there is no place like home. I'm so glad to be back in the United States. Thank you for praying for me. I don't usually miss two Sundays in a row, but to go to Europe this time, I felt like I needed to be uh, take, make the most of the time. And uh, for those of you who couldn't be here Wednesday night to hear the stories, it was a very, very powerful time in Europe as um, it's near and dear to my heart. It's, uh, God is moving, and where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, right? So we were glad to be last week. This time last week, we were in uh, Czech Republic in Prague for the first time. Nation number 77, for me to be there to preach the gospel, fulfilling the promises of God when I was 25 years old, that in my life I would preach in at least 100 nations. And here we are, even in the midst of all this craziness, and God opened the doors, and to Him be the glory. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on in Ukraine, probably in the message, but <clears throat> I want to talk about today, I want to finish our series called Building a Legacy. And didn't Pastor Chris and Pastor Lindsay do great jobs? Pastor Tristan Kennedy at a Wednesday night. Give it up for our team. They're just wonderful. <clears throat> Got to see those and hear those around the world and experience them and hear the word of the Lord through these great men of God. Today I want to talk about, as we finish, the legacy of rock-solid faith. I want to jump in where Pastor Lindsay kind of left off last week. And we're going to talk a little bit about a man of God named Timothy today. 2 Timothy 1 is where we're going to begin from the Amplified, verse 5, where Paul writes, I'm calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith, the leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. A faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded, dwells in you also. That's why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire. Everybody say inner fire. It's kind of where we're going. The inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or intimidation, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I love the Amplified Bible. Proverbs 13, 22 puts it this way. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The Amplified says... The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous and finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come and move however you want to move and let your word fill us with power and wisdom and the spirit of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're partnering with God to build this 
awesome building out front that we're going to be seeing the next few weeks. And by the way, we need to pray. We've been delayed a little bit by just the um, site work permitting people. Uh, apparently, a lot of government people have, uh, yet they get to write their opinions to justify their jobs. And um, so they, they wrote 55 questions about our, about our site work. Most of them uh, are already taken care of and handled. But anyway, just red tape. So please pray that that goes through hopefully this week. Anyway, um, while we're building the building, God wants us to focus our hearts on building a legacy of rock solid faith for the next generation. So today we're gonna talk about what I call legacy leadership. Legacy leadership. How do we raise up the next generation of overcomers and conquerors. The Apostle Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, whom he raised up um, into dynamic and powerful ministry. He wrote to him about his legacy of faith. In 2 Timothy, Paul reveals that Timothy's mother and grandmother were strong followers of Jesus Christ. Now, to put it in perspective, remember, this is in the early days of Christianity. We didn't, they didn't have 70 years or 90. They, they weren't born into a family of Christians. His grandmother and his mother must have become believers right away as soon as Jesus was revealed. And they became so strong that they helped raise up this young man, <clears throat> Timothy, into the things of God. By the way, another part of perspective, I recently read that the book of Acts only covers a period of around 35 years of the origins of the early church. So when you read the book of Acts, we, we tend to think of this as long, well, this happened over a long period of time. No, it was only about 35 years. This church is 32 years old. We're having our own book of Acts, hopefully the next three years and beyond, right? And so th- just to put in perspective there, just give you a little bit of time frame. But even in the baby stages of the church, these two ladies stood out in their efforts to establish a new bloodline of faith. They wanted to establish something in this boy. Acts 16 tells us that Tim's mother was a Jewish Christ follower and that his father was a Greek Gentile. Timothy, in his introduction to Paul, was referred to as a disciple. And so I wanna say this to you, legacy leadership provides discipleship, which means to me, training and coaching, training and coaching. If we talk about sports a little bit here in this church is because a lot of the analogies that Paul used were sports analogies because a lot of these things are about training, being trained to, to overcome, trained to be strong, trained to be equipped. I'll read it from Acts 16, verse one and two, and you can see for yourself. It says, then he, Paul, came to Derby and Lystra And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. So he wasn't just a a young believer. He was a disciple. He was disciplined. He was was fit. He was being trained by his mother and his grandmother when Paul first meets him on his first missionary journey. A certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. We know her name was Eunice. So she's part of mama's family. But anyway, somebody get that joke. Oh, more of you got that than I expected. Very good. But his father was Greek. 
And you say, well, it's all Greek to me, but it's not. He was well spoken of. Here's the, here's the other point. Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So as a young man, Timothy was already recognized as a leader and he was known favorably by believers in two communities. And here he was, this young guy where Paul meets him and begins to invite him into the mission journeys there of the early church. Timothy became a long lasting apostle and pastor of the church at Ephesus. History tells us he lived to be around the age of 80 and was the recipient of some of the most important letters and books of the entire New Testament. Ephesians was written toward his leadership in Ephesus. First and second Timothy on leadership and spiritual warfare. These books came to bring him great strength to equip him. So when you read those in context, these were letters to the next generation to say to them, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand in the evil day. In our text, 2 Timothy, Paul points the young pastor to his deep heritage in the faith already, honoring Lois and Eunice by name. And it shows right away that Paul thought generationally. He was not just thinking of himself. He was not thinking just of that moment. He was thinking of, his, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the children that would come and the grandchildren and the generations and our generation. Paul was thinking about the generations and what God wanted to do when he called to mind this young man and said to him, your mother and your grandmother have given you something here. They've imparted something to you. Don't neglect it. Don't hide it, but stir it up. You know, the greatest inheritance you can give anybody is authentic relationship with God. Even if you don't have kids or grandkids, you have people in your world that you have an influence in. They're looking at your life. They're looking to see how you, how you react, how you adjust, how you flow in different seasons, especially crisis moments like COVID the past couple of years and a possible world war on the brink. The greatest inheritance is authenticity, that real and deep relationship with God. Because we always say around here, it's not about religion, it's about relationship with Jesus. You, can, you have the power to impart that. You have the power to establish that. Does that mean they're gonna follow everything you do? You know, every young person has to make their own decision at certain times of their lives Everybody goes through that moment, but the Bible promises that God will be faithful to keep knocking on the door of the hearts of our children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Say amen. amen. Relationship through Jesus Christ is something powerful that was established through Timothy's family. Their faith was genuine, sincere, real, and without reservation. I wanna say right here, for those of you that may have children or family members that are away from the Lord right now, you have the right and the power in Jesus' name to pray the blinders off of your kids, to call the prodigals back home because the promise of God is train up a child the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. 
It's just when he's old. That doesn't mean there's not a hiccup in the middle. But they're coming back. As they grow up, God wants to draw them back in. Amen. Now let's talk about Timothy's journey for a moment because this this whole thing kind of came up in my spirit this week. And I didn't mean to talk about Timothy, but this whole thing kind of stirred up. And I looked at this young man for what the Bible says about him and realized he had some issues that were going on some things he needed help overcoming in his life. I mean, you know, the Bible shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly to show us that God uses flawed vessels, or we might call them humans. <laughs> Maybe you are one. I remember, I was thinking of this the other day, you know, the first time I heard, I remember there's a little boy, the first time I heard somebody say human being, I thought they said human being. And I was, I was picturing like a human with like green beans all over, you know, like, like the jolly green giant or something like that. The human beings. But God uses humanity. He uses us not because of us, but in spite of us. We all know our own frailties. We all know our own weaknesses. And uh, we have to have people in our lives to help overcome them. So I'm gonna give you five thoughts about Timothy As we talk about this, I want you to think about the next generations because this isn't just about Timothy, this is about us and the people in our lives that God has called us to be a good influence to. Number one, Timothy didn't have the optimum kind of home life. He didn't, the Bible makes it very clear. His mama and nana were strong, but the only mention mention we have of his daddy was that he was a Greek Gentile. He had no covenant with God, We don't know if he was even in the home at that point. We just know that Ma and Grandma, they had a relationship with Jesus and Paul had to help Timothy overcome the fact that he was not even circumcised. He was not even even dedicated by his own father. We don't know that his father had any spiritual influence at all. He had no covenant with God, not even the Jewish sense. And apparently it was a big deal to some folks in the church that Timothy was considered biracial or mixed race. It shouldn't be a big deal. But Paul helped him to overcome that and say, you're not less than because you're of two races. You're not less than. God is in you. His spirit is in you. And his power is working through you. So don't let the enemy lie to you, son. Don't let the enemy tell you you have no right because you don't have a covenant. You got the covenant of faith handed to you through your mother and grandmother. It doesn't matter. Listen, one of the biggest problems we face in the generations right now is absentee fathers. Absentee fathers. And so many that come up without dads have this gaping hole inside their hearts their whole lives. They feel disappointed. They, 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 they feel like they're always trying to compete with something that they don't know how to even gain the approval of a father who's not there. But we have a heavenly father. And he said in his word, he's the husband to the husbandless and the father to the fatherless. And God cares. And I want to say in this world right now, we're all mixed. We're all mixed of a lot of stuff whether it's spiritual or blood DNA. 
But don't let the enemy lie to you and drag you down with that feeling that you're somehow, you can't measure up because you're in a family with a stepdad or a stepmom or stepchildren or whatever else. There's no steps in God. The only step is the step into the faith of Jesus Christ. You're not less than. You're, you're, you're equal, you're strong. Don't let the enemy lie to you. That's such a big lie. And I know some people feel that thing gnawing at them sometimes in the back of their mind, trying to make them feel like less. Paul stepped in and became a spiritual father to Timothy. He even tells him, you're my son in the faith. And I'm proud of you, I'm with you, and you can do this. Paul takes on that role of fathership, fatherhood, to be able to activate him and strengthen him and affirm him in the right times and adjust him in the times where he needed adjustment. Paul even circumcised him, even though Paul himself was against that when he discussed it with Peter later on and the other apostles. We shouldn't have to make people become circumcised to make them become Christians. We shouldn't have to make them Jewish first. They can come right to Jesus. But because he saw Timothy's calling to reach the Jews first, he took all of the opportunity to be a stumbling block away and circumcised this young man himself, the Bible said. He helped him fill in those gaps. Can I tell you, everybody needs a shepherd. Even pastors need pastors. I have pastors that speak into my life. We all need divine connections. We all need spiritual relationships of people that are cheering us on and saying, you're okay, you can do this. And if you have that or don't have that, you need to be that at least to somebody else. Number two, Timothy started out very young in ministry. How do we know? First Timothy 4, 12, Paul says, let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your age, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. The answer for youthfulness in ministry is simply to set a good example. Ephesus was a very tough spiritual atmosphere. Paul the Apostle writes in one of the epistles, even though I fought with the brute beasts of Ephesus, I made it through because of your prayers. Pray that I would have boldness to speak as I ought to speak. He said, the Lord has opened great doors and effective doors, but there are many adversaries. He had to toughen up this young man and give him maturity and experience by helping to be with him. And we need to do that for the next generation of our young people. You know, when we started this church, we were 29 years old. I had a lot of faith, wasn't about faith. I had no sense. I had no sense. I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not putting myself down for that. I'm just saying, I didn't know what I didn't know. And God honored that. And I'm glad he didn't tell me what I didn't know. Because if he had told me, I'd have headed for the hills. But what happens is, you know, the Bible says the glory of the young man is their strength. The glory of the old men is their experience. They call it gray hair, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Understand that experience, here's the trick. By the time you get enough experience, most people lose their zeal. 
We need both. We can have both. We don't have to reach a certain age and lose our passion or what the Bible calls that inner fire. That inner fire is not based on your age. But if we could, you know, I've often thought to myself, boy, if I, if I knew back then what I know now, man, we'd be, we'd, be da- we'd be dangerous. We'd be dangerous to darkness even more than we already are. If I just knew more about, you know, if I knew more. But the thing about experience is you have to live it. And the other problem is, Sometimes you don't listen to people who tell you that have been through the experience because you think you know better. And when you stub your toe, that's when you get the experience. It's through that, you know, the old carnival. I used to go every year to the, to the house of mirrors. And you go walking, well, here's the path, boom. You know, it's like you walk into the wall. That's exactly what life is like sometimes, right? And I would just say to those of you that still are considered young and youthful at whatever age you are, please listen to those that have a little experience, especially those who have authority in your life like your parents, your family. Don't listen to knuckleheads. The opinions of knuckleheads on the street are just gonna get you more trouble because their wisdom isn't wisdom. It's foolishness. Listen to those whose life you look at and say that person has made it through some stuff. That person has gone through and made it through and overcome and they're worth copying. Paul the Apostle said this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow him. We need to raise up the next generation to be strong and tough, to make it. We need to help them to harness that zeal, but to keep going forward, to keep doing what's in their heart and trying new things in God. Say amen. Amen. So number one, Timothy didn't have a great home life. Not an excuse, generation. Not an excuse. Number two, he started out really young. But as I told you, history tells us he made it to the age of 79 or 80 years old, which back then, probably the average person lived to be maybe 40. He lived a long life on this earth. Number three, Timothy apparently had some deep-seated insecurities. He had some stuff going on, maybe because of the fact that his dad wasn't there. We don't know. But don't we all have some insecurities? Don't we all have certain areas where we kind of question ourselves? Paul had to keep reminding him not to be intimidated or fearful. That's why, that's that's the reason for 2 Timothy. That's the reason for our text today when he reminded him. He said, hey, I know your grandmother and your mother have imparted to you something and I laid my hands on you and imparted more. But you have to keep stirring up. You have to keep yourself aflame with the inner fire for God because God didn't give you that intimidation you feel, that spirit of timidity, that shrinking back because you feel like less than. God didn't give you that. He gave you the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the soundness of mind. 
God, God didn't give you that feeling of dread, but that inner sense of knowing who you are in Christ. Be firm in that. Be who God has called you to be. Number four, apparently Timothy lost his inner fire a couple of times in his life. He lost that inner fire. He had it, but Paul had to write to him again and again and say, hey, wake yourself up. See what's really going on and see how important you are to the process. God wants to do something great in your life, but you have to stoke it, fan the embers you have left into a flame every time the flame goes out. How do you do that? You gotta feed the fire. You have to feed the fire that's inside of you. A fire without fuel always goes out. A fire without fuel always goes out. So what does it need? It needs oxygen to breathe. It needs spark. It needs life. The, the fire in you needs wood. And the Bible says you've got to eat the word and drink in of the Holy Spirit to fuel that fire. The moment you start thinking you got this and you start going through religious mumbo jumbo, like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't have to go to church. Oh, I love Jesus, but I don't have to read the Bible. I already know it. I've heard it all now. I read through the Bible last year. Well, congratulations. We don't live by what we read. We live by what we hear and hear and keep hearing from the word of God. Jesus said that when he went through different things and he quoted the word to the enemy, he said, look, I'm saying this because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's why we need to always be hearing the word of God. Not just, not just what's written in the Bible, but what God says from what's written in the Bible. Not just the logos, the written word, the ink on the page, but the rhema the word that God is saying to you today and when you wake up tomorrow and when you wake up Tuesday and Wednesday. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Remember, the manna from heaven from the children of Israel was the daily bread and they, could, they went outside. They had to collect it every day. The Bible says if they went out and said, you know what, I'm gonna be tired tomorrow. I think I'm gonna go ahead and just some, get some extra. By the next day, it was moldy and stale and could not be used. They had to go it every day. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily word. Give us your word. The word of God fuels the inner fire. Keep feeding the fire in you. Give it the air to breathe that it needs. Finally, Timothy had some health issues. How do we know? Because 1 Timothy 5, <clears throat> Paul starts winding down the letter he says, look, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Apparently he had frequent infirmities. He had some stomach issues. Even as a young man, he had some stuff going on. It might've been stress. It might've been ulcers from being the pastor. Hint, hint. I don't know what it was, but it was something that Paul said, look, he, he told people in other places, hey, don't drink wine. He says to Timothy, hey, you better have a little sip. You need to calm your stomach down, dude. 
No, you, you're just drinking a lot of water. That's great. We want you to drink water. But he wasn't promoting alcohol. He was promoting an understanding that, hey, there's a moment you have to do what you have to do to make it through into the next season if you have health issues. You have to find a way through those moments. Timothy overcame all those challenges to become a mighty man of God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful right now that godly older men and women spoke into my, and continue to speak into my life and my wife's life. We're so thankful we still have Brother John Evanzini at 85, almost 86 years old. We're still thankful uh, for those that, that have been in our lives that are in heaven today. We're thankful that my mother-in-law and my parents are still here on the earth and able to pray for us and be around us. But understand, that never ends. That never ends. You, you take that as long as you can get it and you appreciate it and you value it. Paul poured into the next generation by pouring into Timothy and raised up another apostle in his place so that when Paul was gone, Timothy was still carrying on leading the church in Ephesus. In fact, when I tell you history says he died at 79 or 80, he died at 79 or 80 still in Ephesus according to history. He lived in that city. He died in that city at a ripe old age. Understand there's something about longevity that gives you the right to build legacy. And finally this, worship sets the leadership legacy for the future. I wanna leave you this thought today. I love Psalm 112. Don't have time to read the whole thing, but the first three verses from the message says this way. The psalmist writes, hallelujah, Blessed man, blessed woman who fear God. And the word fear there, I'll tell you more in a moment. It's about worship, not about being afraid of God. Who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments. That's what it's about. Their children will become robust on the earth and the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. My friends, we have to think generationally. If you're gonna build a legacy, you have to think about generations. You have to realize that this life isn't all there is. You get one opportunity to live this life and to make your mark and to live it in such a way that you can impart something to the generations beyond you. And I wanna say it this way as well. Your expression of worship counts, not just at church, but even in your home. When I say worship, I'm not talking about singing a song. I'm talking about engaging. The Bible calls this in, in John chapter four, engaging your spirit in the pursuit of truth. We can sing a song and have our mind on something else completely. We can be praying and have our mind wander. But when you are united within yourself, spirit, soul, and body in the expression of worship, I, I get concerned about people that have a hard time expressing themselves in worship at church. I'll be honest with you. Some people look like worship is too hard for them. Like opening their mouth and smiling to sing a song takes a lot of effort. I wanna say to you, it is so important that you cultivate a spirit of worship in your own heart, in your own life, 
and consider your life at the way you are in private and in public. That when you're worshiping him, you should be engaging him. You should be drawing on his presence and pulling on the hem of his garment. It should bring joy to your heart. It shouldn't look like you're constipated. <clears throat> it shouldn't look like you're baptized in pickle juice. It should, I'm just being honest, folks. I'm just being honest for, from 32 years of experience. I may not have a lot of wisdom yet, but I got experience. And I still got my zeal, my passion. The inner fire is still inside me. And I'm so thankful that it is. Examine yourself. This isn't about outward expression, but examine your heart. If you have trouble entering into that presence and shutting out everything else that's going on in your life, you need to ask yourself and God, why? Because your worship, the Bible says, affects the generations after you. Some of the highest moments of my life these last few years are being in these services. Usually second service, my grandkids come. Sometimes they come up to the front with me. Sometimes they stay in the back over there because most of them are serving no matter what age they are in some way in the church. But when we're here and we're in the presence of God, I just try to be mindful that if I'm blocked and stuck and thinking and in my head, they're looking at that. They're thinking, well, He's not really participating. I wonder what's going on. But when I give my all in worship, when I express my love for Jesus, my heart that values him, worship, the root word is worth-ship, worth, value. What's he worth to you? When I can express his worth in song or in word, or just in heart with silence. It's impacting the next generations that are coming through me, not just spiritually, not, not just naturally, but spiritually as well. The next generations, I don't wanna be that pastor that, that, that the young people in this church look over and I kinda of stand there looking around waiting for my turn. I always wanna be engaged. I always wanna be active and pressing in because in that worship expression, what I'm giving out to him comes back to me and fills my life, fills in those gaps, fills in those holes. The word fear there in the Hebrew is the word yare. It means reverential awe. Blessed is the man or woman who has reverential awe inspired worship to honor and cherish God. Blessed are those who fear him, who cherish him, his presence and his word. And the promise is this, their generation will be blessed and their seed shall be mighty on the earth. Not just existing on the earth, their seed, my seed, your seed shall be mighty on the earth your children and your children's children will experience that drink of salvation and be able to move forward no matter what happens in this world. 
when you and I are gone, we're leaving that deposit by our sincere worship of Jesus Christ. Does your heart still tremble in his presence? Do you place a high value on his presence at all? Legacy leadership equips the next generation to break through. Break through what, pastor? Break through whatever is going on in the world. Legacy leadership equips, provides the framework and inspires the next generation to keep that fire burning. Let's pray together. Lord, we worship you right now. Come on, you know what? Just right there with your head bowed, your eyes closed. Would you just worship him? Would you just express, just open your mouth. We never lose our wonder. Open your heart. May we never lose our wonder. Yeah. Keep us wide-eyed and mystified. May we be just like a child. Staring at the beauty of our King May we never lose our wonder Fill us with spirit May we never lose our wonder The Holy Spirit's presence is just falling right now Was wide-eyed and mystified Filling this room May we be just like a child Staring at the whether you're in this room or not whether you're part of our online campus right now let his presence invite his presence to fill you up to give you the ability to go beyond your personality and express your heart of love and thankfulness, gratitude, sheer delight and joy because it means something. It means so much. Lord, I pray today for every person hearing the sound of my voice. I pray that you would bring healing and deliverance and freedom I pray for those who have come in bound by addiction that they would leave here today with hope and a new sense of freedom and purpose and destiny. Lord, raise up the next generation of Timothys in this church. Raise up the next generation of the young men and young women who will serve you and worship you without apology who will not back down, who will not be intimidated because of other people teasing them or trying to pull them into a certain vein against God. Today, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move and give us a spirit of boldness, a spirit of power and compassion that we would be mindful that the Timothys of the next days are watching looking, receiving, 
from what we do, from how we carry ourselves and how we live our lives, not in pretense, but in authentic and genuine dependence and awe of God. Come Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. I'm not gonna call you to the front of the building, but I'm calling you to the front of the altar of your heart to surrender and say, God, come and fill my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and change me and help me to live for you and to reach the next generations beyond me. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we wanna know about it. We wanna help you with your journey. We wanna help equip you, disciple you, and help you along your way. God's love, His power and His presence is here. And He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you, no matter what. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.